0: Thank you for supporting the Ministry of Victory Outreach International. We pray this message challenges, ignites faith, and that God would fan the flame that will produce a harvest of souls throughout the world. The entire book of Acts. Is it too cold for you? You okay? How many people are cold? Let me see your hand. Wow. Must be All right. <laughs> Just about one person got up, so maybe that maybe you could get a jacket or you know or sometimes it's cold in one area, hot in another area. It's a very, very complicated problem that I'm not about to solve. I'll give it to the Holy Ghost let let Jesus solve it. Amen. Praise God. While you're opening up to the book of Acts chapter 2, I'd like to just mention that tonight Nicky Cruz, and many of you remember him from The Cross and the Switchblade, also Run Baby Run, and he also has his latest book. It's called Brother and Sister, We Have a Problem, and I understand this is one of the best books that Nicky has ever written, and uh, a book is going to be available on the outside, plus also also tonight he'll be with us, and He'll be autographing some of these books as well. If, you, if some of you want to just get his name on the book, then he will be here tonight, and he'll be ministering. And I encourage you to bring somebody. Bring the uns- First of all, bring yourself. Right? Then after you bring yourself, also bring somebody with you. And tonight, we're just going to be having a, a rally night. We're going to be having a tremendous time in the Lord. Our choir is also going to be ministering a song tonight, so we're going to be having a tremendous time. Praise the Lord. And also the newcomers this afternoon is the last one. What is it, 2.30 this afternoon? And it's a celebration time, the last one. And it's going to be beautiful. Amen. Chapter 2 of the book of Acts. And we're going to begin reading in uh, chapter 2. Begin reading. Let's begin reading in verse 13 of chapter 2. And we're looking to uh, cover a lot of ground this morning. Even though we don't have that much time, but we, we're looking. I'm looking to see if we could go ahead and cover the ground that needs to be covered. Chapter 2, beginning verse 13. But others were mocking and saying, They are full of new wine. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and declared to them, Men of Judea and all ye who live in Jerusalem, Let this be known to you and give heed to my words. For these men are not drunk, as you suppose, for it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was spoken of through the prophet Joel. And it shall be in the last days, God says, that I will pour forth my spirit upon all mankind. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. Even upon the bond slave, both men and women, I will pour in those days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will grant wonders in the sky above and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire, vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before that great and glorious day of the Lord shall come. And it shall be that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Men of Israel, listen to these words. Jesus the Nazarene, a man attested to you by God with miracles and wonders and signs which God performed through him in your midst, just as you yourself know. This man delivered up by the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God, you nailed to the cross by the hands of godless men and put him to death. And God raised him up again, putting an end to the agony of death. Since it was impossible for him to be held in his power, for David says of him, I was always beholding the Lord in my presence, for he is at my right hand that I may not be shaken. Therefore my heart was glad, my tongue exalted. Moreover, my flesh also will abide in hope, because thou wilt not abandon my soul to Hades, nor allow the Holy One to undergo, undergo decay. Thou hast made known to me the ways of life, and thou will make full of gladness with thy presence. Brethren, I may confidently say to you regarding the patriarch David that he both died and was buried in his tomb is with us to this day. And so because he was a prophet and knew that God had sworn to him with an oath to seat one of his descendants upon his throne, he looked ahead and spoke of the resurrection of Christ, that he was neither abandoned to Hades nor his flesh suffered decay. This Jesus God raised up again, to which we all witnesses. Therefore, having been exalted to the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured forth which you both see and hear. For it was not David who ascended into heaven, but himself. He says, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make thy enemies a footstool for thy feet. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus, whom you crucified. Now when they heard this, they were pierced to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brethren, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent, and let each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and your children, for all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God, shall call to himself and with many other words he solemnly testified and kept on exhorting them be saved from this perverse generation so then those who had received the word were baptized and there were added uh, at that day about three thousand souls father we come before your presence tonight lord we thank you for your word For we know that your divine word is able to have lasting effect upon our lives. And I pray that our minds may be open and our hearts may be open this morning so that we will be able to receive. Bless each one, I pray, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Now, this morning, I'm going to ask you for your undivided attention. No moving around, no traveling congregation, please. And we don't have that much time, so I'm going to get to it right away. And I want to be able to cover some ground here this morning. Now, this morning, you have your outline. Everybody should have received. Look in your bulletin and take out your outline. Okay, the blue paper that's in your bulletin. The theme of our message this morning is Peter's sermon, we're examining, we're taking a look at Peter's sermon as he explains Pentecost. So we're taking a look at Peter's first sermon as he begins to explain what actually happened on Pentecost. So there's, there's the explanation of Peter now the last time that we were together we were dealing with three points three main points that we brought out we dealt first of all in the last, last section that we dealt with in the book of Acts we dealt with the baptism of the Holy Spirit and we were dealing with chapter 2 verses 1 to 13 and we dealt with the baptism of the Holy Spirit and we brought out the first point that we brought out was that we find in verse we found in verses 1 to 4 the evidence of receiving the baptism of the holy spirit so the initial evidence of the baptism of the holy spirit is speaking in other tongues this is an experience that we also have today when a person received the baptist receives the baptism of the holy spirit they speak in other tongues and we find that the evidence they were speaking here in the book of acts in other languages and then we also find the reaction secondly we dealt with the reaction or the effect that it actually had upon the people how it affected how the baptism not only affected the disciples but also the effect that it had upon the people that were gathered together in jerusalem and it had a tremendous effect upon their lives because they heard them speaking in their own tongue, in their own language. There were people there of all nations, and it says, when the day of, full of Pentecost had fully come, in God's timing, all of a sudden this great phenomenon took place where they began to speak in different languages, and they were speaking and glorifying God, talking about the great, wonderful things of God, the great works of God. And then after that, we got into the explanation, and we just touched upon the explanation, and we're going to continue on with the explanation, Peter's explanation, and how he begins to explain this great phenomenal that took place on the day of Pentecost. Now, with the explanation, we also brought out how they explained it. There were some, there's always going to be people that are going to mock And there were some that were actually mocking and saying, they are full of new wine. These people are drunk. And then it tells us that Peter, all of a sudden, it says in verse 13, it says, but others were mocking and saying, they're full of new wine. They're drunk. They're acting, uh, they're not acting natural. They're not acting... uh, ordinary. These people are acting very peculiar. They're speaking in all these different languages. They're drunk. And then Peter couldn't stay quiet and Peter stood up and he began to explain what actually happened. Now we're going to be dealing with this portion of scripture that we're dealing with in chapter 2 of Acts verses 14 to 41. We're going to be dealing with, with four points. Now, we're going to be taking a look at Peter's sermon. We're going to be analyzing Peter's sermon. Peter actually got up and began to preach. And Peter was actually a homiletical preacher. He preached his very first homiletical sermon. In homiletics, they tell you how you're supposed to preach and the structure that a person should have in bringing forth a message. And Peter, under the unction and the illumination of the Holy Spirit, he got up and he preached a powerful homiletical message. We find that all the homiletical points are in this message. First of all, Peter got up and he gave an introduction. And in every message, there should be an introduction. And Peter got up and gave the introduction in verse 14 to 21. He began to give the introduction. And then he got from the introduction, he got right into the body of the message or the proclamation or exposition of the message. And then in the exposition of the message, he begins to deal with the death of Christ. He deals with the resurrection. And also he brings out the exaltation and how Christ was exalted to the right hand of the Father. And then he brings, in every message, there should be a conclusion or an appeal. So he brings an appeal. And he begins to apply it to the people that are gathered there listening. And he tells them that they needed to repent. And that they needed to, if they would repent, they would receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And then finally, we have also recorded the results. What took place? The results of, a, of an anointed Holy Ghost message. And there's always results whenever somebody speaks the Word of God with the unction and the illumination of the Holy Spirit. So it was tremendous results that actually took place, and it tells us 3,000 people actually got saved after his very first message. Now that's not bad at all, is it? 3,000 people, praise the Lord. Okay? Okay let's take a look at this and we're looking at it in four parts like i mentioned we're looking at the introduction the body the appeal the results now in explaining pentecost we we find that over here in in, in the book of acts in the very first chapter and the second chapter of the book of acts we find that we have already seen uh first things. We have seen things that have actually happened for the very first time that are recorded in chapter 1 and chapter 2 of the book of Acts. Things that never happened before, but it happened for the very first time we have recorded an account that actually took place in chapter 1 and chapter 2. For instance, we find the first suicide mentioned in chapter 1. We find also the first business meeting that the church had after the resurrection of christ we find the first prayer meeting after the resurrection of christ the first very first manifestation of the holy spirit and now we come to the very first christian sermon that is recorded here in the book of acts the very first sermon that is preached after the outpouring of the holy spirit Upon the church. Now let's begin to take a look and let's see how Peter begins to explain Pentecost. Now remember what they said. It says in verse 14, it says, But Peter, taking his stand with the eleven, raised his voice and declared to them, Men of Judea, and all you who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give heed to my words, for these are not drunk as ye suppose for it's only the third hour of the day. And then he goes on, he says, but this is which was spoken by the prophet Joel. Now, the first thing we find about Peter is that Peter took his place as leader again. Now, this is a a contrast from the backslidden Peter. Remember that Peter that was full of, of shame and disgrace? But also the Lord says when Thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. God raised them up. Not only did God forgive him, but also God raised them up. And we find Peter in the upper room. He gets filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. And Peter again takes his role as a leader. And he stands up. And he says he stands up with the eleven. Now it's complete. All the apostles, they were eleven. And then counting Peter, they're twelve. And I like what he says. He raised his voice. Isn't that just like a preacher? He didn't get up there like a little wimpy guy, you know. I am going to tell you now, you know. They were sitting, and he got up. And as soon as he got up, the others looked at Peter and said, There must be a, there's a sense of urgency here. And they all got up with Peter. And then Peter lifted up his voice. And began to declare unto them, began to proclaim to them, began the explanation. And he says to them, Men of Judea and all ye who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give heed to my words. For these are not drunk as ye suppose, it's only the third hour of the day. Now, the third hour of the day is actually nine o'clock in the morning. And there was a custom that the Jews, did not eat or drink anything before, they did not have breakfast before 9 o'clock in the morning. Especially the religious Jews did not take anything. They didn't take any, any drink or anything before 9 o'clock in the morning. So he's telling them, these are not drunk as ye suppose for it's 9 o'clock in the morning. And he was dealing with the religious people that understood the Jewish customs. Peter says, these are not drunk as ye suppose. In other words, they are not drunk with the wine of the world. They are intoxicated and influenced by that new wine of the Holy Ghost. These are not drunk as ye suppose. Yes, they are controlled. And they are they are moved upon by a, another power, another influence, but it's not the influence that you think. It is the influence of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost. What does it say in Ephesians? Be not drunk with wine, but be ye what? Feel with the Holy Spirit. If you're going to be influenced by anything, then be influenced by the person of the Holy Spirit within your life. So Peter stands up. And he begins to declare to them, and he starts his message. Now, in explaining Pentecost, you notice that Peter right away took him to Scripture. And it's so very important that any message, if we are to reach the world, we can't reach them by the persuasiveness of man alone. We cannot build a church by telling good stories good illustrations no matter how how fluent the person may be no matter how eloquent the preacher may be the only way we're able to reach the world the only way we're able to have a positive effect upon the lives of people is through the word of god and in those days he couldn't refer to the new testament there wasn't any real new testament so he referred to the old testament and right away he got into the word And he referred to the prophecy of Joel. And it says in verse 16, But this is what was spoken of through the prophet Joel. And it was a prophet that they were all acquainted with. You see, the Jews understood the Old Testament. He wasn't dealing with them about something that they did not understand. But he took something that they understood and something that they believed in, and he began to use it to explain the phenomenal of Pentecost and he deals with Joel and he says over here in verse, in verse 17 and it shall be in the last days or it shall come to pass in the last days, says God that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh or upon all mankind and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams, and upon my bond slave, both men and women, I will in those days pour forth of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. So what he's saying, he's saying, listen, what you have actually are witnessing right now. This phenomenal that you are experiencing, that you're seeing with your very own eyes and hearing with your very own ears. This is a fulfillment of a prophecy that was prophesied by the prophet Joel that all of you are acquainted with, and he begins to bring out the prophecy of Joel. Now, Peter, in his illumination and being under that inspiration of the Holy Spirit, not only did he begin, one of the things he brought out, he says, the last days in the last days. So one of the things he brings out in his message is that when Pentecost took place, it was the ushering in of the last days. The last days. A prophecy that was fulfilled, that was reserved for the last days. And then he goes on and he brings out the fulfillment of the prophecy, but at the same time, We also find that there's a portion of the prophecy that he brings out that has not as yet been fulfilled. So he brings a fulfillment. There was a present fulfillment of the prophecy of Joel. And there's still another portion of the prophecy that still needs to be fulfilled in the future. Now the prophecy that is fulfilled is the prophecy where he says, "Young men shall see vision and old men shall dream dreams, and then they shall prophesy, and on both bond slave and both men and women, in those days I will pour forth my spirit, and they shall prophesy." And then he goes on to the prophecy that is still to come, and there's a prophecy that is still to come. In verse 19, and it says, And I will grant wonders in the sky above, and the signs in the earth beneath, and blood and fire and vapor of smoke. And the sun shall be turned into darkness, and the moon into blood, before that great and glorious day of the Lord shall come. And it shall be that anyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So he's bringing out the second coming. What's happening after the second coming of Christ? But there's a little pause there. You see, in... In history of the church when you look at the Old Testament you find that the Old Testament talks about the second coming when God is going to come and he's going to reign and then there's going to be judgment but you can't find too much about the church but this there's a dispensation of grace that God has allowed God the time clock of God has stopped in a, and he's brought a dispensation of grace, period, where he said, Whosoever will, let him come. And we are now in that dispensation of grace. And what Peter is saying, it, we're in the last days. The outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon them is the birth of the church And it's the beginning of the last days. From Pentecost even till today, we're in the last days. Now, the clock of God is going to continue to move. We don't know. After the rapture takes place, then God's time clock will continue to move. It's just like the 70 weeks that we find, Daniel's 70 weeks that we find in the book of Daniel. There's the 49th week, and there's been a pause. And that pause is, we're in the dispensation of grace, period. This is why even the Old Testament prophets did not understand this. This is something that even the Jews did not understand. This is why Paul calls it that the church, the mystery of the church, because it is a mystery, something that they weren't counting on. But we find that for a period of time now, we're in the dispensation of grace and god is saying whosoever will let him come and there's salvation that is being granted to people who open up and repent and receive christ as their personal savior so there's the prophecy that we find here of joel the first part of it it was prophesied about the outpouring of the spirit the second part is talking about a coming judgment that has not yet been fulfilled so Peter begins to quote Joel. Then he goes beyond that, and then in verse 22, then he begins to declare to them, and I want you to follow with me. He says in verse 22, Men of Israel, listen to these words, Jesus. Now he begins to deal with Jesus. And he gets, in verse 22, he gets into the body, into the exposition, into this proclamation, into his message. And in verse 22 he says, Men of Israel, listen to these words. Jesus the Nazarene, a man attested to you by God with miracles and wonders and signs which God performed through him in your midst, just as you yourself know, this man delivered up by the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God, you've nailed to the cross by the hands of uh, of godless men and put him to death. Now, you notice what Peter does. First of all, in the exposition, he brings out, actually, he's bringing out three things in, the, in these verses that we're dealing with right now. He brings out, first of all, in verse 22, he brings out Jesus was approved by God through the mighty works and wonders. And then he brings out, secondly, in verse 23 to 32, how Jesus died and he rose again. And then verses 33 to 35, how Jesus ascended to the right hand of God And also how the gift of the Holy Spirit has come upon them because of his ascension into the right hand of God. These are the three things that he brings out. Let's take a look at them one by one. First of all, in verse 22, he says, Men of Israel, listen to these words. Jesus the Nazarene, a man attested to you by God with miracles and wonders and signs, which God performed through him in your midst, just as you yourself know. verse 22 what he's actually telling them he's telling them hey man you guys don't have any excuse first he explains pentecost and he gives it a biblical background he says what you have actually seen this phenomenal is something that was prophesied it is biblical it is biblical and it has a biblical foundation he brings that out then he moves on and he says okay And he says, "And this Jesus, this Jesus uh, was of God, was approved by God, by the miracles and wonders and sign that God performed through him. In other words, he's saying there is evidence, there isn't any excuse that you could bring of not accepting Jesus as the Messiah and as the Savior. He has his credentials. He's proven his credentials. He's also been proven by the approval of God himself upon his life. And each and every one of you have been witnesses of the approval of God upon his life through miracles and signs and wonders. He performed miracles before all of their eyes. He's just quickening their memory again and reminding them. Do you remember how we? In the three and a half years that he walked among us, the tremendous miracles that he performed, he did things that the natural man can't do unless he's of God. First of all, what did Jesus do? He walked on the water. I'm sure he's bringing to their mind, how many of you have walked on the water? Yet Jesus was approved by God because he also gave him power to walk on water. He turned the water into wine. How many of you, he's probably telling, are able to turn water into wine? And yet in that marriage, he turned the water into wine. He multiplied the loaves and the fishes before a multitude of people. And we brought it out, the message. I brought it out many times. That message is one of my favorite messages. How he multiplied... The bread and the fishes, and we mentioned that there were, it says there were 5,000 men, not counting the women and the children. There must have been about 15,000 people. Before the eyes of 15,000 people, he multiplied the bread and the fishes. And then he even had leftover after he fed them all. Remember that? The 12 loaves and, and two, two fishes. And he multiplied and fed the whole multitude. Was it 12 loaves and five fishes? Or whatever, <laughs> <laughs> but he multiplied them. <laughs> Hallelujah! <laughs> he cast out demons. Right, the demons were subject to his power. And how many of them were able to cast out demons? How many of them had that power? If he cast out demons, it, 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 it must be he must be from God. He must have the approval of God. But not only did he cast out demons, but he also healed the sick. So he's talking about the miracles before your very own eyes. Many of you witnessed the miracles, and you can't say that he wasn't approved of God because of the miracles that took place. He healed the sick. And how many times did he heal the sick before the multitudes of people? In fact, the Bible tells us that there were crowds of people, and a whole lot of people came to him, sick people came to him, and the Bible tells us that he healed them all. How many of those people that were gathered there were able to even heal one person? Yet, Jesus healed them all. And then what about not only healing the sick, but what about raising the dead? He even had dominion over death. We all know the story about Lazarus and how he raised them up after Lazarus was dead. And he even raised the dead. So what Peter's bringing out, he's saying, listen... don't have any excuse this jesus that i'm preaching about this jesus that i'm talking about is a jesus that has been approved of god and what you see happening this outpouring of the holy spirit it comes from jesus the one that is approved of god that was before you and you don't have any excuse because you've seen his miracles and you've witnessed his miracles and jesus also Fulfill the criteria for the Messiahship. In the Bible, it talks about where the Messiah is going to come from. And it is, uh, and these, these uh, Jews understood Old Testament prophecy. And it talked about that the Messiah, Messiah was going to come from the tribe of Judah. Jesus came from the tribe of Judah. The Messiah was going to come out of the family, of the, out of the loins of David. Jesus came from the loins of David. He was going to be born of a virgin. Jesus was born of a virgin. He was going to come from Bethlehem. Jesus came from Bethlehem. He was going to die, and he was going to rise again as it was prophesied. Jesus not only died, but also rose again as it was prophesied. And he's telling them, you have no excuse. You've witnessed signs and the wonders and you've witnessed the miraculous and the life of Jesus that you are without excuse so this is what he's actually telling them in verse 22 and he says men of Israel follow with me in verse 22 men of Israel listen to these words Jesus the Nazarene a man attested to you by God with miracles now you notice a proof to you attested to you or proved before you by God, witnessing by by God with miracles and wonders and signs, which God performed through him in your midst, just as you yourself know. You hear that? Just as you yourself know. And then it goes on, and the man delivered up by predetermined let's cover 23. We're going to finish with that. We can't go on. We can't finish this thing. I was hoping to, but there's no way. Verse 23. 23. This man. You can tell that I'm trying to. <laughs> I'm looking at my clock here. and I, But I'm not even going to try to attempt it. I'm going to take my time next week. Verse 23. This man delivered up by the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God. You've nailed to the cross by the hands of the godless men and put him to death. Now you notice what he's saying. First of all, he's bringing out that the death of Jesus was a predetermined plan. It was in the foreknowledge of God. Remember Jesus said, no man takes my life, but I give it. And if you look from the very book of Genesis, when you look at at, at Genesis, as soon as man fell into sin, God had a plan. Hallelujah. There was a divine plan. You could find Jesus going to the cross from, from Genesis. As soon as man fell into sin, God had a divine plan for the redemption of mankind. So Peter's saying the only way that anybody was able to take his life was because God, it was in the mind of God, and it was according to the plan of God. If it was contrary to God, there would have been anybody that could take his life. He said, nobody takes it, but I give it. For God so what? So love the world that he what? God the Father gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. So he's saying what happened to Jesus, the death on the cross, it was predetermined plan of God. In the wisdom and sovereignty of God, it was a divine plan that the Son of God would go and die upon the cross for the sins of mankind. So even though it was a pre Determined plan of God. Nevertheless, he tells them over here, and he says, And this man delivered up by the determined plan and foreknowledge of God, and then he, then he brings out their guilt, and he says, You've nailed to the cross by the hands of godless men and put him to death. You see, the devil wanted to destroy him. The devil wanted to destroy him. And the people that the devil used, he used those cruel men that took him to the cross. He used them as instruments to try to destroy Jesus. But God was able to turn it around because God is a miracle-working God. God is an all-knowing God. Man's ways are not God's ways, and God's ways are not man's ways. God's ways are far above any, any means and any, 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 any way that we could think or even conceive within our minds. So God Had a plan. And I thank God that he had a plan or each and every one of us would not be here this morning. So what what have we said this morning? We'll continue on next week. What have we said? First of all, Peter begins to explain Pentecost. And he explains it and he takes in his sermon, he brings out the prophecy of Joel, the last days. And we are in the last days. I want you to know that. For the last 2,000 years, we've been in the last days. That's right. We're in the last days. Do you know that he could come any time? The reason why he says the last days, the rapture is going to take place. And if you read the prophecies that are in the word of God, all the prophecies, many of the prophecies have been fulfilled. And all we're waiting for is Jesus to come back again for his church. And once Jesus comes back again, the Bible speaks about that. That he's coming back again. He says, I go, but I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God. And those that are dead shall be raised. And those that are alive shall be caught up together with them in the clouds. And so forever they shall be with the Lord. This is something that's actually going to take place. It's going to take place at any moment. He's coming as a thief in the night. And then once that takes place, then the clock of God begins to move again. Then we go right into the tribulation period. It talks about the seven years of tribulation. And then you begin to see what was prophesied by Joel. The latter part that's prophesied by Joel will begin later to begin to take place. So we're in the last days. And over here, Peter gets up. And he begins to explain Pentecost, and he says, what you see is because we're in the last days, this was prophesied by Joel. Jesus died, but not only did Jesus die also, but he resurrected from the dead, and he lives forevermore. We pray that this message has encouraged you to grow in your walk with God. To hear more messages, visit www.visionintlstore.com.